amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They freed us all from tyranny. Risked everything for liberty. And they fought so we would be America. Land of the Hi, and welcome back to the Growing Patriot Podcast. I'm Amelia Hamilton, back to walk you through some more colonial American history. I hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. This week, we're still talking about holidays. But with Hanukkah underway, we're going to be talking about the holidays that Jewish colonists celebrated. Here's Zachary. Hello, Miss Hamilton. My name is Zachary, and I'm 12 years old. I had a question for you about Hanukkah and the way it was celebrated during colonial times. Which colonial states had the highest Jewish populations? Also, what was the relationship between the Jewish colonists and their non-Jewish neighbors? Did this affect the way in which Hanukkah was celebrated at the time? Finally, how differently was Hanukkah celebrated in the colonies than it is now? Thanks! Those are such good questions. Not only are they going to tell us a lot about the Jewish holidays, but they'll tell us a lot about American culture at the time. We've talked in other episodes about how important religion was, and this will add another really important piece to that puzzle. So thank you for such good questions, Zachary. Should we just dive right in? I think so, too. Uh, Well, my name is Andrew Porwancher, and I am a history professor at the University of Oklahoma. Okay, great. Thank you so much for joining us today. With people all around the country celebrating Hanukkah this week, we got to wondering how people celebrated different Jewish holidays during colonial times. So my friend Zachary sent in some questions. And which colonies had Jewish populations during colonial times? Yeah, it's a great question, Zach. Uh, So there were, in colonial times, um, five Jewish communities that could be found in the country. Uh, the, the oldest was in New York, uh, and there were also um, Jewish populations in Newport, Rhode Island, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in Charleston, South Carolina, and in Savannah, Georgia. And one of the things that's really notable about Jews going to those particular places is that those are cities. Those are port towns on the, on the seaboard. And so at a time when most Americans were living on farms in the countryside. Jews were, uh, you know, a little bit different from a lot of other Americans in that they tended to congregate in cities. Hmm. Is there a reason for that? Yeah, there is. So um, 
historically, uh, Jews were more involved in commerce and trade and finance instead of agriculture. And so it was natural that um, Jewish skills would be most valuable in port cities. Okay, that makes sense. Kind of going along with that, what were the relationships between Jewish people and their neighbors? So in America, um, in colonial times, had arguably better relationships with their Gentile or Christian neighbors um, than they did in a lot of Europe. Uh, and so in Europe, Jews oftentimes would live in Jewish ghettos. Uh, and there were places in Europe where Jews would actually um, lock into their own Jewish districts at night. And, uh, and even, in, even in cities where the restrictions on Jews um, were not quite as severe as that, Jews still, um, uh, you know, tended to live apart from the rest of the population. Uh, if you look at the American Jewish experience in colonial times, Jews did tend to live near each other because they needed to be walking distance to a local synagogue. Uh, but we don't see quite the same level of segregation, um, particularly in Newport, Rhode Island, um, we have records that suggest that Jews were living side by side alongside um, Christian neighbors. Um, but it is also important to understand, on the other hand, that America was not as tolerant a place in the 1700s as, as it is today. And there was still uh, discrimination and prejudice against Jews. Hmm. So did that affect the way people were able to celebrate religious holidays? Um, there are instances of uh, Jewish cemeteries being desecrated um, or Jewish synagogues being vandalized. I would not say it was a common occurrence in colonial times, um, but, uh, you know, Jews for the most part enjoyed a um, pretty high degree of religious liberty and for the most part were free to celebrate their holidays without interference. That's great to hear. So Zachary had asked how differently Hanukkah was celebrated. And when you and I talked about, about that before the episode, it sounds like it was very different. Yes. Well, so Hanukkah historically has not been a major Jewish holiday. It was really one of the more minor holidays. And in fact, you know, I have not come across a single primary source from the colonial era in America of anyone even mentioning Hanukkah. Uh, Hanukkah really starts to become more popular in the 19th and into the 20th century, um, and that coincides with Christmas becoming an ever more important holiday for Christians, and Hanukkah became a way for American Jews to be a part of wintertime celebrations uh, in their own right. Um, and so Jewish holidays like Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, and Yom Kippur, the day where Jews atone for their sins, uh, today are still the most important Jewish holidays, and in colonial times were certainly the most important Jewish holidays. And we can find references in the primary sources from colonial times to Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah. Were those celebrated differently in colonial times? Um, yeah, as far as, you know, as far as we know, um, you know, there's, there are uh, a lot of striking similarities. What, one of the differences between 
the Jewish American experience today versus colonial times is you have um, a wider range of um, the kinds of uh, religious observance that we see. So, for instance, there are Orthodox Jews um, where the service might be strictly in Hebrew, and there might be a, a Reformed Jewish synagogue where the service is largely in English. And you don't have quite as wide a range of different kinds of Jewish denominations in colonial times. Um, and so that might be one difference. And another difference, um, which might be interesting to your listeners, is that a lot of the Jews who settled early America were not uh, from Eastern Europe. And so the style of prayer was in this, what's known as the Sephardic style, which refers to Jews from, from Spain and Portugal. And in colonial times uh, in the New York synagogue, they would actually um, say a prayer in Spanish for King George III. But once the revolution started, uh, that was a habit that they kicked. Um, and as for non-religious holidays, would Jews celebrate those with their non-Jewish neighbors? Sure. So one, there there is an example of that in the in uh, not not that I found in colonial times, but rather shortly after independence in 1789, George Washington issues a proclamation, and he calls on Americans to reserve the fourth Thursday of November for a day of Thanksgiving. And, uh, and this, you know, becomes, um, a, a recurring national holiday and, um, people uh, in their different religious denominations, including Jews, uh, heeded George Washington's call and went to their respective houses of worship and, uh, and prayed for the preservation of the country and the preservation of, of the newly ratified constitution. Uh, the Constitutional Convention had, had been just two years earlier, and the Constitution had been ratified into law a year earlier. Uh, and then these religious communities um, uh, went into their communities uh, in the cities at large and gave charity to the poor. And so this was one way in which um, Jews and their non-Jewish neighbors uh, were taking part of a shared American experience. Yeah, I love that. And then one other thing I wanted to talk to you about that is right in your wheelhouse. Um, I think I told you about two of my favorite kids, um, Sadie and Jack, who have been on this podcast before. And they might end up being your biggest fans, I think, after listening to this one, because they have a favorite founding father who is Alexander Hamilton. And I know he is someone that you have been studying a lot. And if you could tell us a little bit about why Alexander Hamilton um, connects to this episode today, I would love that. Sure. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I, I share Sadie and Jack's interest in Alexander Hamilton. We're all on the same team here. Uh, so I, for the last several years, since even before the Hamilton musical hit Broadway, and he became the most popular founding father on a book about Alexander Hamilton's relationship to Judaism. And uh, there is some evidence in the historical record that Hamilton may indeed have been born and raised Jewish. He had a mother named Rachel Levine, uh, which is a quintessentially Jewish name. Um, she was not born Jewish, but she may have converted to Judaism to marry a Jewish merchant in the Caribbean uh, named Johann Levine. And what's 
striking about Alexander Hamilton's childhood is that his mother enrolls him in a Jewish school where we know he begins rudimentary study of the Torah, of the Hebrew Bible as a child. When he was little, his teacher would put him on a table so they would be eye level, and he would recite to her the Ten Commandments in the original Hebrew. And what's so interesting about this is that we can't find any recorded instance of a Christian child attending a Jewish school anywhere in the world at this time. And so the fact that Alexander Hamilton went to a Jewish school is compelling evidence that um, the local Jewish community likely considered him to be one of their own. And although Alexander Hamilton, in leaving behind the Caribbean, left behind any Jewish identity he might have had, um, and he certainly presents himself as a Christian in his adult life in America, uh, Hamilton develops closer ties to the American Jewish community than any other founding father. Hmm. How so? Well, so this, this takes a variety of forms. So uh, Hamilton attends King's College, what gets renamed Columbia after the war in New York. And in his capacity as an alumnus of Columbia, Hamilton um, changes the charter so that the office of the college presidency is open to people of all religious backgrounds. And Hamilton is also involved with putting the first Jew on the board of an American college. In his capacity as a lawyer, he uh, becomes a legal advocate for nearly every prominent Jewish member of New York City. And um, Hamilton is also uh, collaborating with Jewish merchants and financiers in creating the modern American financial system. That's what I love about history. It's centuries later, and there are still so many things to learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to walk us through this today. I really appreciate it. Sure. I, my, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So there we go, all about Jewish holidays and colonial times, and even a little extra history about Alexander Hamilton. What else could you want in an episode? I'm wishing all of my Jewish listeners a very happy Hanukkah, and we will see everyone next week. Until then, remember you can visit us at Growing Patriots on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or at growingpatriots.com to find the episode, coloring pages, videos, and lots of other resources. You can also order the books there. Remember, it's a good time to get that holiday shopping in. Until next week, see you then. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.